This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, It's time now to talk about your money. Tax time is upon us, and that means we should be planning carefully to make sure we don't give the tax man any more than we have to. So I am here with Mark Halpern, CEO of WealthInsurance.com. He's a certified financial planner, trust and estate practitioner, and a master financial advisor for philanthropy. So he's the guy to tell you how to set things up uh, to do just that so that you get to keep and decide what happens to most of your money. Let me give out the numbers to call because if you have questions, he is here to answer them or comments or you just want to run something by him. He's sitting right here. 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. Hi, Mark. Hi, Libby. How are you? Excellent. It's sunny outside. I'm happy. Okay. Well, it's a bit sunny, I guess. Well, you've got tinted windows, so it's okay. not as sunny here. Okay. So it's it's tax time. So what are we doing? Good question. So we just finished RRSP season. Yep. And uh, hopefully people made their contribution because it's nice the government gives us some advantages to save taxes and save for our retirement. But, um, you know, just like there was a deadline for March 1st for RSPs and there's a deadline for our taxes on April 30th, we're really good at working when we have deadlines. So really now when it comes to taxes, you have to start planning. Yeah. Right? Okay. Okay. But let's let's start with those RSPs. So the deadline came at a point when the markets were really taking a beating. Yeah. So I'm sure that a lot of people made the contribution, but didn't invest the money yet. So do you have any thoughts? It's clearing a bit now. You know, a lot of people have a strategy that, you know, they'll uh, sit on the sidelines for a bit when everything is going into the you-know-what. But as soon as things start to go up, they, it's a buying opportunity. It's kind of like timing the market, you know? Nobody's a clairvoyant and people yeah. are. So there's a ton of money that's parked in money yeah. market accounts or GICs or whatever and hasn't been deployed yet. And clearly, the very famous investment strategy is buy low, sell high. Exactly. Right? But you don't know what that's going to look well, like. Well, you don't. But do you, have any, do you have any advice for people who are thinking, you know, maybe I'll start deploying this money right now? Yeah. No, I think it's a great question. I think where it comes down to is, yeah, you can be your own planner. You sort of, you know, and, and read the newspapers and hear people like myself speaking on, on the radio. Uh, but I think that instead of the investing part, Libby, which I always come back to, it's really about the planning part. You know, everybody's busy investing, but not doing the planning. And the planning is at this point, they should be taking a step back to say, hey, I'd like to pick a fictitious date in the future that I don't want to work anymore. You know, and this is the amount of money I'm going to need. Am I on track or not? And that could be made up of a whole bunch of different things like your RSPs or your RIFs or any non-registered investment. So 
I really encourage people to look at getting planning done. And that's really speaking to somebody who's now looking at things more from a different perspective. The perspective they should be considering is how do I preserve what I've got? Because we just saw the roller coaster, right? Right. Of the markets. And, you know, 2008 was not that long ago. And people are also interested now in maximizing their income or at least getting some guaranteed or good returns without the volatility. And there are definitely assets that they should be considering, you know, that that maybe they're not getting from, you know, their current supplier. And the last area is really tax efficiency. How efficient are you with with your investing? Because at the end of the day, the government's got their hand out and wants to take a whole bunch of your money. So what are you actually netting at the very end? So I think the first step, long long answer is sit down with a professional and sort of look at your your specific plan okay uh and uh what about uh you're talking about getting streams of income going what can you do now to make that happen so there are really traditional investments that you know are fully guaranteed but the challenge with those are we're experiencing the lowest interest rates that we've had in the last hundred years right and the highest tax so another interest rate cut today. There, there you go. So yeah. that that's challenging, especially when you're relying or counting on income, right? So, and then of course you have choices in terms of investments. Volatility, though, is included with that in terms of stocks or mutual funds or ETFs, etc. Um, and then you can go to more what I call alternative investments. Alternative investments could be investing in things like real estate, like uh, mortgage investment funds or REITs where, you know, they're connected to real estate and they provide a, a, a regular ongoing stream every month that's pretty safe, you know, and it's also connected to real estate, which is not a, a replenishing uh, asset that we have. There's only so much space that we have here in, in terms of buildings or whatever. So there are definitely things that are out there. And then there are more uh, advanced things like setting up things like annuities. Annuities are are they offer somebody a guaranteed income stream. Um, and, and then they're also using tax-exempt insurance as a way to shelter your money and grow it on a tax-free basis and access it on a tax-free basis and pass it along on a tax-free basis. So I would say that there's no like cookie cutter here. Everybody's got a unique situation, and, and it's important that people take care of this clearly while the sun is shining. Okay. Um, I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit more about some of those investments that do throw off some income because they're generally thought to be relatively safe. But, you know, real estate market, it, it's, it's, you know, keeps going through the roof. Everybody predicts this has to stop sometime, but it certainly hasn't. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, I have some friends who are in the the real estate brokerage business, and they're delighted that there's now activity again. You know, certainly in an area that I live in, in North Toronto, it was like, you know, things would stay in the market for a year or longer. And now all of a sudden they're getting multiple offers. So there is definitely a situation where real estate is appreciating again, not just on the residential, but on the commercial side. Because as I said, it's not a replenishing asset or commodity and interest rates are still relatively low. So, you know, how much can people really afford to stay in rentals, you know, apartments or renting homes and, and certainly not having the flexibility of owning something yourself. So it's definitely something to consider. Okay. Um, one of the things that comes along with tax time, capital gains. Yes. Well, let's just talk about taxes in general. Okay. I think it's very important that People have to realize that, um, yes, you pay taxes while you're alive, 
every year on your uh, on, on any income. You pay taxes on employment income, income taxes. You pay taxes on investments, and you know it can be for anybody who's earning two hundred and twenty thousand dollars or more. You know the the tax on sort of those types of investments can can range anywhere between twenty seven and fifty four percent. That's a big number. So uh, capital gains is really something that involves investing in let's say real estate investment, real estate or stocks or you know stocks or ETFs or mutual funds or having private equity. You have a business, and the way that it works is if you started off it was worth a hundred thousand and now it's grown to two hundred thousand dollars. We should all be so fortunate. So there's a gain of a hundred thousand dollars. And 50% of that is taxable. So approximately 27% in Ontario would be a tax that you'd have to pay to the government. So that's $27,000 on a $200,000 asset that you had. So it, it, it definitely is something that requires people's attention. Uh, yeah, is it is it too late to sort that out? I mean, you could always, uh, you always, we know we can offset capital gains with capital losses, something your accountant should be doing for you. Yeah, at this stage of the game, for the tax year of 2020, right, this is, we're paying taxes on our income from 2019. So, but certainly going forward, it's definitely something you could do. And as you said, yes, uh, selling off losses at the end of the year and then having those losses offset against your gains indefinitely is a great way of of doing some planning to offset, offset some of those taxes. The other thing is just how you set things up in your will and who's going to be the ultimate owner and benef- or beneficiaries of your assets. And then there's another way to offset some of these capital gains taxes. Imagine somebody has a cottage. That's really near and dear to Canadians. You have a cottage, and it's grown to a million dollars in cost, and it, it, it started off costing you 200000 So there could be a $200,000 bill that the family's going to have to come up with. How do they pay that? They're either going to have the cash, not likely. They're going to have to borrow money, not very likely, or they're going to have to sell the cottage. I know. That happens it. so often. Yeah, so what they could do is they could use something called tax-exempt life insurance. In this case, it would be best set up on a joint policy between a husband and wife, or you could set it up on a single life basis as well. And for pennies on the dollar, you can actually create the money that's going to be necessary to pay those ultimate estate taxes. And that's generally the least expensive way to go about doing that. But again, it comes back to planning and sort of looking at individual situations specifically to see what, what would fit that for them. Okay, let's take a call from Pat. Hi, Pat. Good morning, or good afternoon. I just want to make the point, and I do have uh, life insurance, but what people have to appreciate, once you buy it, you've got to continue paying. Otherwise, the life insurance company and the agent are the only ones who make any money. And um, uh, it's interesting because some of these savings go back into what is referred to as the lapse assumption in the in the policy, uh, and sometimes can save you money. But once you do a life insurance um, plan, you have to stick with it. So you're so right, Pat, and it's scary what you're saying because you're right. There are lapse assumptions, etc. Unfortunately, I, I don't even know what what's a lapse assumption. <laughs> what it Why means don't you tell us? When somebody buys a policy, there, it's priced based on somebody's age and their health and their smoking status. And there is an assumption that a certain percentage of all the policies that are going to be purchased will actually fall off the books. In other words, somebody gets into a financial situation, they can't afford the policy anymore, or they forgot about the policy, or there's some banking you know, mistake that's made, and suddenly the 
the premium is not coming out of the account. It's scary. As a matter of fact, a very high percentage of life insurance policies in Canada are really? not being properly serviced because you know the advisor has moved on or they you know they there's nobody servicing that policy so it's very important you know pat i've been in the in the business for almost 30 years and we spend i think my assistant donna spends most of her time servicing existing policies well, so this is really interesting to me so servicing the policy means what you you call up you call up uh, joe blogs and say Joe, have you been keeping up your payments? Well, we get no notices, at least on a weekly basis, Libby, where it's called there's an overdue premium notice. So that means this person would have gotten a letter in the mail saying the insurance company went into the account to take a premium, but there was insufficient funds or they closed the account. And now we're getting a notice to let the client know that, hey, we got a problem. So I don't know about you, but I get a lot of junk mail. I don't open half of that stuff, right? So it could be something that gets missed. So what Pat is saying is it would be very scary that a policy could go off the book. So that's and you why- get nothing back. In that case, it would end, and suddenly you think you had something, and it's no longer there. But it's like anything, you know. It's really important to surround yourself with professional advisors and people who, and and let your kids know. You know, it's you know we get older, we're living older, we're living longer. You got to let your children know about these things, and they have to be part of your finances as well. Especially if you're a single, widowed, or divorced person, you know you don't have a spouse necessarily to back you up. So your kids have to know because ultimately they're going to be the beneficiaries of that. Insurance policy. Okay, I'm curious. Uh, Libby, the other point is that the those of us who buy those policies and continue to pay the, the premiums, we're actually winning because of the lapsed assumption that's built in when we bought our policies. So it's extremely important for people to keep paying and to be absolutely certain because otherwise you get almost nothing unless there's a little bit of a, an equity buildup in some policies. So Mark is absolutely right. You've got to continue. These are long-term commitments that you're making. And once you start, you shouldn't stop. Okay, Pat. Thank you for that. I think, Pat, what Pat said was great. Uh, One of the things I would add to that is that Sometimes these policies, yeah, they're, they're, they're term policies that are just temporary and they eventually expire. Or there's something called permanent insurance, like participating whole life insurance or a universal life or a level to 100. And even then, if somebody doesn't want the policy for whatever reason, Libby, some people are not aware of the fact that they could actually donate that insurance policy to a charity that they care about. And when they donate that policy to a charity that they care about, they could receive a charitable receipt for anywhere between 10 to 70% of the face value. So imagine so the, the charity would then keep paying. Yeah, so ideally, they'd yeah. love the donor to continue to pay. And when they pay, now it's considered a charitable donation. So they're going to get a receipt for it. But the charities, if it's a good policy, will actually pay for those policies going forward. And they would recognize the donor of that insurance policy as a big donor. So So you don't have to be rich to be a very, very generous philanthropist. So if if something happens and you either can't or don't want to pay for your policy anymore, you can donate it, get a tax receipt, and do something good. Correct. So even if you're going along and you've got a term life insurance policy sitting around that's just going to become, you know, it's renewing at a very cost prohibitive amount, or you have some old insurance that you don't want, 
Do not let it lapse. At least go ahead and donate it. Do something great and benefit because you'll get a nice nice charitable receipt that will, remember, in, in Ontario, depending on what marginal tax rate you're at, for every $2 that you give to charity, you save $1 tax. So how nice would that be? Okay. Um, I am here with Mark, Mark Halpern of wealthinsurance.com. We're talking about your wealth, your money, and what you should do to make sure you keep as much of it as possible. Let's go right to the phones. We've got Pat in Burlington. Hello, Pat. Hi. Thank you for taking this. I just have a very small policy, and I'm scrambling to find it. I can't find it right off the bat, but I wondered when it's it's for 2000 when it's paid off, do I have to continue paying it? You know what? That's a really tough question to answer without actually seeing the documents. So I'm going to suggest, Pat... That if you, I'm going to suggest, Pat, that if you find it and uh-huh. you contact our office, I'd be very happy to explain what it is and what it does and what you need to do. Okay, we that's that's a service we provide for all the Zoomer, uh, the Zoomer audience. And if you contact me at Mark at wealthinsurance.com, we'll be very happy to help you. So I, I can't really answer it. It's it's okay. you got to get under the hood, so to speak. Okay, like the you don't want to don't have a computer. You don't have a so you can fax it or you know fax it to us or even mail it to us. Okay. You can you can find our web well you can't find our website. No. Um, um, if you call the studio and speak to Libby's uh, assistant Ziv, he'll he'll definitely have an answer to a phone you, number, a phone number or an address where to send it. Okay, that so I would call this one eight six six number. Yeah, I, I think that Ziv will answer, and he'll give you our address, and you can make a copy and send it to us, okay? Okay, great. Thank you so very You're much. You're so welcome. Okay, okay. let's uh, take a call from Heather in Fenelon Falls. Hello, Heather. Hello. How are you today? We're fine, thanks. Go uh, ahead. I'm calling. Um, my husband and I have three policies, and uh, we've been paying into them. Each of them have cash surrender values. And um, because the old age pension and Canada pension are not quite adequate, um, I'm wondering if there's uh, any advantage in cash surrender of the policies, or is it better to uh, take some of that cash out and hold it to pay the policies? Okay, just a minute. Before you start, can you explain what a cash surrender value is? Like, <laughs> so let's first of all, let's let's, re- let's first start off by saying we're talking about permanent life insurance, not term insurance, okay? And permanent oh, okay. life insurance would be something called participating whole life or universal life insurance or a level to 100. But you likely have something called a participating whole life insurance policy. There are two components to it, okay? And mm-hmm. one component is called the death benefit. And another mm-hmm. component is called the cash surrender value. Think of it like real estate, like you have a house, right? And the, the, the market value of your house would be kind of like the death benefit of a life insurance policy. And the equity you have in your house, that's called the cash surrender value in a life insurance policy. Just to help you understand how that works. That equity 
is actually your equity and you can access that. You can either use the equity to continue paying the premiums for you so you can actually go on a premium holiday and all the policies paid up for life and you don't have to worry about that. Or mm-hmm. you can access that cash value to either use it to, you know, for emergencies, opportunities, or to help you supplement your retirement plans. And it's really like your money and you can get that out on several different ways. Some are more tax favorable than others, but it really requires looking at your specific situation Heather, because it's kind of difficult to give you advice, and I wouldn't want to. That would be like me giving you... So if you take the equity, then obviously you don't get the death benefit. Uh, so if you take all the equity out, you're right, it will expire. But you can access, often in these policies, up to 90 or 100% of that cash value and still have your insurance in place. What? Okay. Yeah, now yeah. I'm confused. <laughs> So what would happen is if you did access that cash value or that equity, and let's say the person died the next day, so then the family would get the death benefit mm-hmm. minus the money oh. that they borrowed out of it. Okay, right? yes. So it's, it's, it's just like a house. You've got a market value and uh, an equity value. So that's the way it would work. But I'm very happy if you'd like, Heather, you know, please send me some information. We have uh, you know, advisors all across Ontario and Canada, and they can help you explain what you actually have. But you know, it sounds like you've done some good things by doing some planning. That's great. But you just want to make sure you know what their, the gold is in there and then their hills, as they say. Well, yeah, and it's, it, it depends on your financial situation and, and your family situation, I guess, what you do. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, there could be some, we've, we've found some really valuable things for clients, but it's important that you know most people sort of do a transaction and then put it away in a drawer and then don't look at it again. But you know, it's definitely important to look at. Heather, thanks for your call. Thank you. Okay, let's go to Panna in Woodstock. Hi, Panna. Hello. Hello. Yes, you're on. Oh, you have to turn your radio down. Okay. Okay. I turned my radio off right now. Okay. Okay, everybody, when you call in, your radio has to be turned down or else there's a very nasty echo. Go ahead. All right. Uh, my question is some uh, regarding, first of all, question is regarding the taxes. If somebody uh, opened a business and this is their first year filing their taxes, what things they have to be careful regarding the income they are showing? What, wow. Like, what that, expenses they can show? Panna, it's a big, it's a loaded question. There's about 100 things that you'd probably put on a list of things you're going to have to look at and then prioritize what are the ones that are the most key. You really need to speak to a, 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 an accountant or a bookkeeper or a tax specialist who really specializes in working with small and medium-sized business owners, and they can lay out for you everything you need to know in order to make sure that you keep more of what you're making, right? And that you're the most tax efficient and also protect you against any things like creditors or litigation. Those are all important things to take care of while you're building up a business. And for most Canadians, their largest asset is actually their business if they happen to be an entrepreneur. So very important to take care of that early on as opposed to later. Okay, thanks for your call. Uh, We are starting to run out of time. We didn't have time to get to everything we wanted to talk about. So just before we go, Mark. Yeah, the good news is I'll be back here again in two weeks. So we'll have another session. Uh, Just as far as... uh, you know, people are concerned about, you know, living longer today and, and, and running out of money. And so I, I suggest that there are three big changes that are happening that people have to be aware of. Libby. Number one is 
the government's not going to be capable of taking care of the elderly in this country, right? That's a not a political statement. It's a math problem. The baby. Uh, I, okay, uh, well, let's not get into that argument. But, okay, yeah. but you know, the baby boomers started turning sixty-five. There's going to be a lot of people long on life and possibly short on money. So. They have to do some planning. And then, then there's the longevity issue. They say that 50% of people who are born today will live past 100. You know, most people's plans, you know, imagine not having a paycheck after 65 for 30 years. That's 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 what retirement Gotta is. Got to work longer than 65. Well, Sorry, people. <laughs> and the last thing is we've, we've moved from an industrial age to an information age. And there's just so much information on the web. But nobody's getting stuff that's specific to them. So it's really important to sit down with somebody who can help map out a plan for you to sort of pick those dates in the future and look at your taxes like Panna had just asked about, right, to make sure your taxes are okay. Because at the end of the day, the government is going to be standing there with their hand out wanting anywhere between 27 and 54% of your assets. And if you haven't done any planning, unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do. So the time to do this is now while things are good. It's, it's always now. No time like the present. Mark Halpern, wealthinsurance.com. Thanks so much for being with us, and I look forward to chatting again in a couple of weeks. Looking forward. We're going to talk about philanthropy in a couple of weeks. Okay. Yes, we will. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.